So you're telling me the nearest thing that's got in the way of Max Verstappen's now four race winning streak is, let me check my notes here, a dead bird. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And yes, unfortunately, even Mother Nature cannot stop Max Verstappen from winning. It has gotten to this point already. Hi, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 450. 450 of Motorsport 101. My God, we're getting close to 500 already. Uh, that's a terrifying prospect for all you involved. You know, that used to be Hall of Fame podcast territory. People say, oh, you get to 500 podcasts, you're automatically <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. But then, you know, sometimes people would fudge the numbers and they were like, nah, mm. you get into 600. 600 is when you are a guaranteed Hall of Famer. I realize I'm throwing baseball references. Yeah, to, to be fair, it wouldn't be anywhere near the most niche references we've ever thrown out on this on this show. So, you know, baseball is actually pretty mainstream at this point, to be honest. That's RJ O'Connell. He's my co-host. Um, and I'm a, a, America. He's back home, finally. And I, I actually had the pleasure of meeting this man in person uh last week it, it was it was a bit like that that handshake in in the movie rambo um <laughs> just, just just the manliest of of, of, of embraces it was, it was a great time for all involved and uh the magnetism that came off it was like when we, it was like when you go super saiyan 2 it was great it was a great time and, and, and a privilege to be able to see this man in person and he bought oh. me five guys so that means he he's already down one mortgage payment um <laughs> it's, it's worth it though it is it's like we we, we had a mate of mine i'm a neutral friend of ours vic who was also in our discord server come down and then one of our longtime supporters wow. absolutely yeah and um he, we, we met up and as we were walking through the road uh, just in the middle of central london not quite knowing where we were doing because london is a fucking massive city it's two hours well, from one we side were in wimbledon we could say we're in wimbledon yeah. the tennis hasn't started yet yeah 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 novak hasn't won another grand slam yet um no so it, yeah we were walking through the middle of wimbledon and then as we get to the five guys we all just start pacing slower, thinking we can't skip this, can we? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's right. Like, it's like the magnetism; it's just ripping the money, all of the money, any money you have on hand, out of it's your. It's because wallet. I already went and did like all of like the British eating experiences. I, I did the cheeky Nando's in the airport on my way home. I did the Greggs that morning. The you know, Greg's, I did, Greg's I did, is I did too the cost. I did the Costa <laughs> Coffee twice. <laughs> Greg's is a British institution, my friend. You you cannot beat a Greg sausage roll. Okay, it is Cam, the best. Cam, Cam for for reference, Greg's is basically Dunkin' Donuts but British. So and, the, the, they're just they're, there's one on every other street corner. Yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah, like that. All right. Yeah, yeah, more or less. And they have the most delicious sausage wrapped up in puff pastry. It is a delicious sausage roll. And uh, you, like I used, to, I used to four pack those when I used to work at the Paddy Power across the road from mine. It, it, it is a highly addict. It is like crack. It's like I have built up an intolerance to like four eight balls worth of sausage rolls. It was a terrible habit, and I'm glad <laughs> yeah. I was able to kick it. Yeah, but but no, we uh we we went and had five guys. I, I was I broke my broke my long standing rule of like. Don't go out and get anything that you can easily get at home when you're on a trip. <laughs> yeah. because, because I could get five guys. It's 15 minutes up the road from my house. But I was just like, what about five guys with friends? 
Yeah. Burgers and fries with friends is always a a great experience. Uh, Even if you all walk out of there wondering where you're going to live that night. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I could hear the bailiffs knocking on my door as I left the building. I didn't even spend any money. It was that was out of pure guilt more than anything else. No, 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 you couldn't because I made sure that you and Vic were taken care of because (laughs) friend of the podcast and longtime guest Hazel Southwell paid for my first experience at an English pub two days before. And my other boss, Keith Colantine of race fans paid for my meal the day before day after that. We Brits are just we're too disgustingly polite for our own good. We will sit there and pay for somebody else's lunch just because it makes us feel better about Dude, it. That, that, put, they put a Uniqlo clothing store by my hotel, and I realized why. It's because it's Wimbledon, and their one athlete they endorse is Roger Federer. Yeah, so Roger. I was gonna, like I was like, it's, it's, it's Roger Federer. I mean, come and, on now. And it's like, like the one place I will go to shop for clothes, go out of my way to shop for clothes, and it's just like. I've got to put the restricted plate on. $100 women, tops. Tops. <laughs> that is a hard thing to do when you walk into a Uniqlo, let me tell you. We also have one other co-host. He's the man, the myth, the legend that is, Mr. Cameron Buckley. Hello, Cam. How are you, sir? Doing good. Uh, I never left my country of origin. No. Uh, so I am still here. He did survive um, the storm, thankfully. Yeah, that was uh, that was a trip. If you heard last week's uh, last <laughs> week's show, yeah. that tree uh, that tree is for the most part no more, um, thanks to the laws of nature. But you know, nature said blood for the blood god, and Max Verstappen said no thanks, I'm good. Continue, continue <laughs> what, what, what is baseball. there left? What, what is there left besides you know? In defiance of God and man, the streak continues. I always thought that Max Verstappen had a little bit of Randy Johnson in him. You know what I mean? Because he's intimidating. He's fast. Randy Johnson throws fast. Max Verstappen drives fast. They have both struck a bird on accident. Yep, that happened. That that definitely happened. And they are they both did. rocketing up their all-time records lists in their yes field. they are well you do have to mention though given you know jason brought it up in our chat the uh, polar bear in the middle of arlington texas nico hulkenberg who qualified p2 next to him on the grid <laughs> and then got uh, clapped with a red flag procedure penalty and got sent back to fifth and then got clapped with a safety car which destroyed his race pretty much immediately it's uh, not gonna happen I am N- good. Nature I, I, is trying and <laughs> only somewhat failing to try and restore natural order. I am genuinely mates of a good few people at MoneyGram who are now Hassie's title sponsor. They were so gutted when that all dropped in front of us. Like, they were actually down there at the Canadian Grand Prix, and it was rough. Like, I, I, I was sending them encouraging, encouraging text messages. Like, guys, don't worry. At least you guys still qualify well. That's fun. It, yeah. it, it, it's like the blue shell in Mario Kart. Any minor brush with success is met with a soul-crushing comeuppance. Yes. Normally within 100 feet of the line. That's normally how it goes. This is why you save your banana shells and just drop them so that way you don't get hit. I don't know. Guess I'm just built different. Yeah, exactly. Clearly. So, yes. In case you haven't kept score at home, Max Verstappen is now up to 225 consecutive laps led in Formula 1. It's in the top five of most consecutive laps led in the history of this sport. Yeah, surprise, surprise, he also won. Just in case. It was to the extent that when he didn't achieve a second consecutive Grand Slam, people were taking it as if it were a loss. 
Yeah, like, oh no, he didn't get the. You dropped a whole point to Checo. God damn it. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, oh so what do we do to the title race? I mean, holy shit. Um, yeah, like, it's, 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 it's a bad time. It's a bad time, but here we are. I mean, yes, Max Verstappen has won four in a row. Six out of eight, and he is now tied at and center on 41 career victories. He has now entered the top five on the all-time wins list. There is a small chance he could tie Alain Prost by the end of the season. He does not turn 26 until this autumn. There is a there's a higher than there's a much higher than zero chance that he ties and then passes. Sebastian Vettel on the all-time wins list. All I'm saying is the episode of the podcast that happens, I'm taking the week off. Just, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there from now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jason put it. I think. I, I think the most perfect comparison that we could possibly have the <laughs> fastest lap point for Checo is Chris Paul hitting a huge three to cut the lead down to forty-two. <laughs> Excuse me. That is Washington Wizards legend Chris Paul. I'll have you know. Get out of my head, RJ. I was about to say the exact same fucking thing. But yes, we are going to try and break down not only that, but a very cool visual of a podium that had Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, and Adrian Newey on it. That, that, that's quite There's a that, lot that, of championships on that's that a, podium. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of change between them right there. Uh, so like, like, say, amazingly, Newey forgot his beer goggles, but that was the only like inaccuracy in that entire podium. We'll talk a little bit about Aston Martin situation, and because it's a home run, we've got to talk more about Lance Stroll and the fact that he limped home in ninth. Um, didn't, he, didn't he take tenth on the line? He took Finally, tenth on the line. He got revenge after six long years. What do you mean it was for the last point? Kind of. Never, never forget Valtteri Bottas pressing the party mode button and drag racing him to the line at back. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. It happens. Fucking ah. hell. And one of the drives of the year so far from Alex Albon, who somehow, subway, finished seventh in Canada. World! World! That, watching him hold that DRS train was the now often repeated meme in our uh, our Discord chats of r- rowing in a boat. Stroke! Stroke. 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 My man gave it all the college try. 59 laps on the hard tire to try and hang on from a very angry Lando Norris and Esteban Ocon. Lando Norris, who, was, who pulled off about four Banzai overtakes in the course of that race, just trying to get into the points and ultimately failing because of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. That's a rare one. If you've got that on your FIA bingo card for the year, then well done. You've probably just won a new car or something, because that is uh, that is something, to tell the least. We'll get into a little bit of that later as well. But basically, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at Motorsport underscore 101. is our official Twitter. Um, our individual usernames are at Dre underscore WTF1, at C Buckley. 917 and at RJ O'Connell. You can follow us on Instagram for updates on new content uh, on Motorsport 101 Pod. Um, it's a fun time over there as well. Um, and if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can get early access to all of our shows and support us access to our Discord server as well on there if you like by the time this goes out i will have caught up on doing race reviews of 
not only this race, but also MotoGP in uh, in Germany, which is already up. It's the longest MotoGP I've, review I've ever written. It's over 4,000 words. You can only I'm, guess as to why. Yeah, if, if, if you know us, and, and that episode is next on the list, you know why. More on that later this week. Um, and, of course, IndyCar at Road America as well. Uh, all of that uh, will be on the, on the website, motorsport1.com. Do check us out on there. Right, gentlemen, let's talk about the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix. No one else has led a lap in F1 since the end of Miami as Max Verstappen leads yet another lights-to-flag dominant win in Canada, the 41st of his career tying him with the late great Ayrton Senna. And all of this despite a bird being caught behind his right front brake duct for the majority of the race. No, really. That (laughs) happened. (laughs) Yep. Again, it was a Randy Johnson moment. (laughs) In this case, Red Bull takes away wings. Yeah, not good. Behind him, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton went back and forth for second and third, with the Spanish veteran coming out on top for a seventh podium in eight races. And collecting Red Bull's winner's trophy on the podium was Adrian Newey celebrating his 200th win as a car designer (laughs) in Formula One. 200! 200 wins in your machinery! 200! Thoughts on this podium? I mean, it's also worth celebrating. This was also Red Bull Racing's 100th Grand Prix victory as a team, mm-hmm. which right. which is in, given they only existed in what 2006. That's an that's they, a five. They came into existence for pennies on the dollar. Ford Motor Company sold them to Red Bull, I believe. Was it for? Did they buy them for one pound because Ford just wanted to get rid of that organization? Yeah, it was a pound. It was a debt clear out. It's like it's like when Ken Bates bought Chelsea Football Club. He bought it for a pound because that's the minimum he could sell it for. Um, yeah. And then their first, the, the yeah. their first year as Red Bull. Yeah, their first year as Red Bull in a, a what was effectively a blue Jaguar was as good as it got for a couple of years. Yeah, it, it took them a while. Started winning in '09. It took them a, a good while to find themselves, but once they did, oh, those wins racked up pretty quick. Yes, this was Rebels' 100th win as a team in F1. It was Adrian Newey's 200th win as a car designer and Max Verstappen's 41st career win. As said, he turns 26 in September. Um, he's won six out of eight so far this season, and he's not finished any single race or sprint lower than third. Red Bull has won 18 of the last 19 races. And Max Verstappen has won 21 out of the last 30. Oh, the ratios. This is, like, I cannot stress this enough. We are in the middle of quite possibly the greatest run of dominance this sport has ever seen. I was talking about this with my dad earlier on the phone because it's Father's Day. Uh, Mm. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Uh, I understand that not everybody has good relationship with their fathers fathers if you have a father figure in your life that's not a blood relation you know cherish what you got but anyway i was talking to my dad it's just he was like yeah red bull's not really new that long on the scene compared to like ferrari or mclaren i've told him like in the 20 years they've existed they've had two separate dynasties yeah Yeah, in the last 15 years (laughs) yeah since the turn since the turn of the 2010s they have had two absolute tears like I, I, I made this point on Twitter, like because it was a famous 
member of the Sidemen or Sidemen Sidemen, Cal Frizi, who you may know if you're a big FIFA fan, uh, talked about how, oh, the sports lost all momentum from 2021, <laughs> to which my response was, well, you're watching the norm. This is an engineering sport. You just got lucky. Um, 2021 <laughs> was a year technically was never supposed to exist in the first place. And well, Andre, and- 21 was the beginning of this, where it was Red Bull you know, had a, uh, for the first time in years, you know, they got their engine. It took them two years to come back. And then it, they spent a year in a knockdown drag out fight with the eminently dominant, uh, dominant Mercedes. I'd like to remind everybody here that even if you still feel bitter, like certain people that keep responding to FIA tweets, talking about how bad Abu Dhabi 2021 was, you know who you are. Um, and, if you're that sort of person, I need to remind you that even before Abu Dhabi happened, Max Verstappen had a 10-win season in 2021 and finished in the top two 18 times. Sheesh! Yeah. 18 out of 22 races, he finished first or second. This, this, this has been going on for two and a half years now. It's been yeah. Max's sport since 2021. Yeah, and it was boiling under the surface through 2020 when it really wasn't a whole lot for him to do up against the last of really the ultra dominant Mercs in the W11 mm. where he was basically, he was having to learn how to manage races when really there was just no one for him to fight. Sometimes he got to fight Valtteri Bottas because Bottas was doing what is now, what can now be referred to as the best Sergio impression. Yeah. Um, throwing away points. Red Bull got, an incredible engine in their lap with Honda in 21. They addressed a lot of the problems that the 2020 car had. And then we went an entire season going tooth, nail, appendage, swords, axe, and so on. Um, And in the meantime, the competition has fallen away. Ferrari couldn't have fucked up qualifying this weekend more if they tried. They actually put together a pretty good race. Normal yeah. service has resumed for Ferrari. They got the one week in the sun, baby. <laughs> one week in the sun in another sport, and we're back to laughing at them. Only because they had a great race because they couldn't have fucked up qualifying any worse. They pretty much put an artificial cap on how good their weekend could have gotten. Um, it wasn't the weirdest development of the weekend for Ferrari because because the Villeneuve estate tried to pull some Teresa Earnhardt shit on Charles Leclerc. This was a little bit weird because for those who don't know, Charles showed up this weekend with a Gilles Villeneuve tribute helmet. Sure. Which he unveiled with who? Uh, It was, I believe it was, it was Gilles widow and daughter. I want to say. And then we find out after the fact that the Villeneuve family is really not happy about there being corporate logos on this Ferrari driver's helmet. Yeah, my I, I did. I, I, I so it's amazing. I, I, I'm for those who don't know. Obviously, I'm a WTF one, and like I, I, God bless my website. I'll give a shout out. But God bless my website editor Charlie, who does a fantastic job running the website. She had to write two stories in 25 minutes when. The news broke that there was dissension apparently over Charles not we- not wearing that helmet, but then suddenly he was meant to wear the helmet, and they actually had, had cleared the air about what had happened. And then the day afterwards, on race day on Sunday, we had Jack Villeneuve going on Instagram and throwing his sister under the bus 
Because he took the heat for all of this. We all just thought, yeah, Jack Villeneuve stepped in, which when has Jack Villeneuve in the last few years ever earned the benefit of the doubt? Never. When when is he not when has he taken the opportunity to not speak? And like even like the funny thing about it is that even though it wasn't Jack, and I know like if you read Jack's statement, he says, Well, look, Charles gave me a call. I was cool with it, but you know, just let the rest of the family know you're gonna do this. Mm. And like Jack I love that Jack pretty much completely throws his own sister under the bus by basically saying, Well, my sister was the one that was freaking out and getting upset about it. Like even Dude, this- in a even in a clear the air statement, Jack can't help but being a bit of a dick. Teresa is just out here thinking, God, I wish I was that messy. (laughs) We got got a Teresa Earnhardt reference in (laughs) on a Formula One podcast about a Ferrari helmet choice. I mean, it's better. It's slightly better than the 500 home run club, I suppose. But no, I I, I, I was going to say, like, my general thoughts on that real quick is, Charles should have probably told the family that this was going to happen. It, it's it's a nice bit of courtesy, more than anything else. But also, but that also ruins the surprise factor of it, don't you think? Yeah, a, a little I, bit. I, I don't but, know so much surprise you know. for us. I don't think it's so much a thing. It's just that he unveiled it with members of the family, and then we got her. We got word that his family was not happy about it. Yeah, which just. Yeah. It created a scenario where there's just a lot of people slinging a lot of different information around. I just, th- I just think coming mm. off a of Lamar weekend where we had so many lovely tribute helmets, including a surprise tribute helmet to an X Formula One driver from a driver who now drives for said X Formula One driver, that this just feels very, it feels ne- needlessly litigious. It it does, I mean, and and the. At the same time, I also respect the fact that some people are a bit more protective about their creative endeavors and properties than other people. The example I use on Discord was the Sherlock Holmes um, entity. Like the people that own that are very, very selective on who gets to use it and who doesn't. If you if you're a big Doctor Who fan, they have to use the Daleks like every series, otherwise they lose the right to be able to use them. So like it's it's it, there's a lot of complicated protective mumbo jumbo that comes into protecting entities sometimes. And I didn't think it would ever happen over a tribute helmet, but here we are. If it was gonna happen in any sport, it was always gonna be Formula Fucking One. Um mm. you know, because that that's just what we do here. Um but no, it's it, it is funny that you know this is how it, it has this is this is how petty we can be sometimes over things like that. And like I said, Jack, even when trying to clear the air, still puts his foot in it, which I think is just the very Jack Villeneuve. This um, is a man who was who was fired completely unjustly by his boss a few weeks ago. That and is he crazy. should be thanking his lucky stars every minute for it because would you want to drive the Van Wall hypercar? <laughs> like drive the Van Wall hypercar or. Or spend more time with your new baby. Dude. Draw, draw the, drive the van wall, or draw twenty five. So turn this into a super GT podcast for ten seconds. Sure. Do you know how awesome it is that JP Oliver is finally getting an opportunity to race top tier prototypes? So how much sucks that he's driving top up to van wall. He calls oh. it top tier. What is top tier about it? Nothing. It's Nothing. This is in the hypercar class. Exactly. Races. You call that racing. What it means is race and then blow up halfway through. Uh, Sorry. To turn this back into a Formula One podcast, Mm. very cool visual of 
Hamilton, Alonso, Verstappen, and Nui all on the podium together. 11 world championships and 176 wins between the drivers. And I think, Dre, that you counted that Nui has 11 championship winning cars and now 200 wins. And it would have been 201 if Alain Prost had not simply gotten out of Ivan Capelli's way. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I think it's 11. Don't don't quote me on that. I am not a super well-known design guy, but I want to say it's 11 world titles well, that, that, that Newey's had. Cam well, probably knows a bit more than me. 92 and 93. Mm-hmm. 98. Yeah. Big dry spell. Or sorry, 99. Very, yeah. It's a minimum dry spell. Um, and then... 10, 11, 12, 13. Yep. I found it. 21, 22, and then 20. Well, it's going well, to be 23. Yeah, Let's be know, real ev- with eventually. It is 11 World Constructors and 12 World Drivers Championships. Yeah. That's bonkers. That is well, absolutely ridiculous. Um, 11 and yeah, a half. And to have that kind of longevity in the sport as well. Um, and not just, of course, in Formula One, because he was here before he got to Formula One designing March's Indy cars, which were superb in the mid 80s. And the, um, you know, the kind of the car that predated the 962's dominance over in IMSA, which was the March, uh, I think it was the 83G Porsche over in IMSA. Mm. So he's been at this game for a long, long time. <laughs> 40 even, plus years. He's and even still, driven the 24 hours of Le Mans, too. Yeah, and still, you know, he's not as directly involved as he used to be, but still overseeing uh, what is clearly a, an extraordinary technical crew over at Red Bull Racing because they're still undefeated this year. And you remember how in 2014 this was the race that actually stopped yeah. the Mercedes dominance, which, of course, was a car at the biggest brake and power demands of the season – being down their rear brakes and 160 horsepower and still finished second. Yeah, Rosberg still limped it home in second place, didn't he? He was still faster than every other car in the first two sectors. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, just... That's wild. We're now looking at the most dominant start to a season since 1988. With that McLaren Honda, which uh, only lost one race. Yeah, and uh, in the driver's standings, Verstappen now has a 70-minus one-point lead. Um, nice. You, I was trying to dodge a lance around that, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it would have been 70, but uh, Perez got the fastest lap on the final lap of the race, which it's a bit embarrassing when you're, when you're being reduced to fastest lap attempts while running sixth in a guilt-free sixth ahead of, ahead of, ahead of Alba. Sergio Perez have... Good Proving things. the haters, the doubters, and the naysayers absolutely I correct. I always have the lovely memories of 2012 and Secure 2020 and the handful of wins that have come since he got to Red Bull. This is your God, fault. This is, to, this is your doing. Open up, to open up the referendum on Perez for a couple minutes, I'm not asking him to beat Max because no. he's not going to. I'm not no. asking him to challenge Max because... He can on occasion, but he's not going to do it consistently. What in the name of a wrecked fuck is keeping you from getting to Q3 with the RB19? 
He has made Q3. We have had eight rounds. He's only made Q3 four times. How? How is that possible? I, I, I just don't understand. It's like it's like if the conditions are anything less than than, than optimal out there on a track, Perez under delivers. It's 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 so disappointing. Because like, look, I'm I'm not one of these people who's thinking that Perez is going to lose his drive this year. Because no. I think we're far away from that. No, but, like he can he can just but, coast from here, and Red Bull's still going to win both titles with ease. But if he continues underperforming to the point where Red Bull eventually comes under threat, mm. although given Hamilton's comments this week about Mercedes' future plans, I don't know if they will come under threat this year. Um, then that does become a problem. It does. Like, because if you're Red Bull right now, you have to look at, you know, not just the championships. You're looking at racking up these records as high as you can get them. Well, I've got to remember, Charles Leclerc beat Sergio Perez in the championship by three points last year, and the Ferrari dropped off a cliff in the second half of the season. Well, well, if, did it drop off a cliff or did it explode off of one? More or less. Bit of both. Bit of both. Um, so, yeah, it, it, dude needs to get his shit together. Yeah, like, like Red Bull, this, like... For Red Bull, it, it solves one headache, but also creates another where it's like, okay, you don't have to worry about Perez being a title threat and having to play team politics. That's out of the window. Now he's 70 points back, more or less. But at the same time, now it's like, you probably want your second car to be performing a bit better than this. Yeah. Because like, in if, the event if, that, if, if, if Aston Martin, goes... for instance, if Aston yeah. Martin, for instance, started getting on a roll, like they would be, they would be a title threat as long because they have but two drivers. They that wouldn't be a title threat, but it's more like if something, say, drive shaft related, happens to Max's car, you want Perez there to be able to pick up the pieces. And for the last three weekends, he's not been there to pick up the pieces in case something goes wrong. Um, I mean, in Monaco, he crashed in Q one on his first lap, just fired it into turn one and crashed the car. He's yeah. got to get his shit together. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk a bit about Aston Martin then? Because I think RJ queued that up quite nicely. Yeah, I was yeah. I was lobbing it up for you, and, and you missed the follow-through from it. But Fernando Alonso <laughs> did finish in second, creating this wonderful visual. And Lance Stroll lipped home in ninth. He barely got in the line over the points without considering Lando Norris's strange, quote, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for backing up the field on a safety car restart. Ah, the old Hamilton and Bahrain. Yeah, and yeah. You're trying to back someone up so you can get a double stack in the stops. They will come down on you. So that happens, and then there's a drag race over the line for 10th on the road that becomes ninth, where Lance Stroll, he has waited six long years for this moment. After all those years of Baku, he finally gets his sweet revenge on Valtteri Botas for denying him that runner-up finish. The score is settled in front of a home crowd. Uh, what do you mean? Was nice. So I, I say that to say this. Lance Stroll is now 80 points behind Fernando Alonso. Uh, 80. You know, we, we talked 80 about, points. you know, we don't think that we don't think Red Bull's going to fire Sergio Perez, despite the deficit no. that they have. But, Dre, with this gap, should Lawrence Stroll consider firing his own son 
Yes. Um, anyway. Um, no. oh, oh, well, moving on. Um, no. Um, okay. My long answer is this is a concern. Like, like when you're a, like, when you're a plucky midfielder, and points are a bit more of a premium. You can get away with a second driver that maybe isn't quite as good as your first. That's you know, it, it doesn't hurt you as much at this level, at the higher end, like. We, we need to evaluate Aston Martin on a different scale. They are no longer the plucky midfield underdog with the cool brand. They are now actively gunning for a championship. Second they have, quickest team in the sport right now. They're the, on second best, they're the second best car in the field, in my humble opinion. They have poured hundreds of millions of pounds into upgrading their Silverstone facility. It's now going to be one of the biggest in F1 when it's finished next year. They have thrown a whole heap of money on big-name drivers. It was Sebastian Vettel two years ago. It's Fernando Alonso now, and there's no guarantee Alonso is going to be around when Honda becomes a full-on partner in 2026. Yeah, like you, you are a works team in T minus three years, right? You are a factory team in three partnered years. with the best engine manufacturer in the sport. Yeah, in two and a half years from now, Lance Stroll's had this was Lance Stroll's 130th start. That's what crazy. year are we in? Yes, <laughs> seven. Year this is his seven. seventh season. He's twenty-five years old. He, he has is, so much mileage on his wheels. Uh, he has seven years in Formula One, and uh, it's like not only has the progress dried up, it's turned into active regression because it's not just the pace, although that has been horrendous the last few races. It's the pace. It's the brazen stupidity wheel to wheel. It's the lack of spatial awareness. It's the unforced errors. It's the sort of stuff that you're supposed to learn as a junior. And if anything, he's never been able to develop that since the days of when he was in European Formula 3. Like, it's... it's... Well, the thing is, Dre, is that like in 2019 and 2020, it looked like he was making real progress. Right. I mean, you don't get a pole yeah. in horrendous conditions... And Turkey 2020 by accident. Yeah, right. you don't get a pole in conditions like that. And in conditions this weekend in qualifying, mm. which I was personally experiencing as a member of the Northeastern United States sure. and basically the same giant weather system. <laughs> um, these are conditions he thrives in. He's always been really great in wet conditions. And he went out sad in Q2. Right. In yeah. His backyard. In his backyard with with an older with an experienced teammate that at the start of the year said, "I'm going to help this young lad. I'm not in it for me. I'm going. I'm genuinely going to do my part to to help this young driver along and get him to where he can be." And then the car turned out to be really, really, really good. Yeah, um, because one driver is currently sitting on seven podiums in eight races. Six. Six. Mm, sorry. I miscounted, sorry. <laughs> damn it, Dre. Uh six podiums and it's still pretty damn good. Yeah. Still 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 pretty fucking still amazing. Excellent. Uh yeah, I forgot how much of a mare they had in Spain. Um and the other guy's scraping points if he's lucky. And it all started off so well. He drove a gutsy performance through a broken toe and two broken wrists in the opening round in Bahrain. And we forget he got cool a lot. Jay talked about it before the Miami Grand Prix. I was there. I yeah. saw it. 
And and he got a lot of goodwill out of that, but we also forget that he almost speared Alonzo off the road on the first lap. Yeah, twenty seconds in, he almost had. We almost having a very different conversation about Lance Stroll's comeback. Uh, like uh, swings and roundabouts. It's, it's very fine margins in this sport. And look, if if anybody stayed up in the UK until you know balls o'clock in the morning to see that Honda power unit partnership announcement over in Japan, Honda weren't exactly subtle in suggesting they want a Japanese driver to represent this team. And they have a worthy candidate right now, given that Yuki Tsunoda is currently systematically destroying any stock Nick DeVries has in this sport. Yeah, Sonoda, we've gassed him up all season. Sonoda is driving out of his skin right now. (laughs) I mean, for my money, that is the worst chassis in Formula One propped up by Honda's exceptional power unit. Uh, And Yuki Tsunoda's driving where, I mean, there's just not a whole lot more that that man could do at this point. He has multiple points in the worst car in the field. That's an incredibly impressive season he's having so far could you imagine if Han, if aston martin honda ends up with a lineup of like an ancient fernando alonso and yuki sonoda how cool that shit would be right but then look you've got the experienced old dog who is still driving i mean alonso's driving superbly this year i know we kind of joke we, we kind of shoot shots at him on the show but he's been driving out of his skin yeah yuki sonoda right has been driving out of his skin you gain the best power unit in the sport they will be very different for 26 but (sighs) the basics a lot of the basics are still going to be there and you have your new facility you have your personnel you gain freedom for 26 in that you control your own destiny on the whole car not just the parts that you design and the parts that mercedes tosses off to you because we know that's a big limiting factor at the back Mm. of their and mercedes's car right now absolutely um and, and supporter of the show, uh, Sasha and myself have talked about this at length in our Discord server during our many late night chats of Was various topics. Chat, yeah. mm-hmm. um, if you want to be taken seriously as a championship contending team, you are a works team with your lead driver, a multiple time Formula One world drivers champion. Lance Stroll can't be your number two guy. Not unless something changes and changes quick, and it's just, I just don't see it. And there's no guarantee that Fernando Alonso will even be there in 2026 to begin with. If he, assuming he gets yeah, there, we talked about a great hypothetical here. It'd be a fun hypothetical, but there's no a great hypothetical. But at the same time, look at who becomes available going into 26. Charles Leclerc will be available. Lando Norris, Norris will be available. available. Lewis Hamilton might be available by then still. Like there, that is going to be a stacked silly season for twenty five. Yeah, the point I was going to make here is that do you like Fernando Alonso? There's no guarantee he's even going to be there for twenty twenty six. If he is, it would be his age forty five season. Do you want to know when the last time we saw a forty five year old on an F one grid? Mm. When was that? When was that? I'll tell you. It was Graham Hill in nineteen seventy five. Yeah, at that point long past his incredibly high best. Um, yeah, and I mean, I said, this is, uh, I can say it definitively, this is the second best car in Formula One right now. They Agreed. outdid themselves. Um, and a big upgrade this weekend. Actually, it's even more Red Bull-like in some places, even more Alpine-like in others. That's that mm. damn fellow's magic here. Um, Beat Hamilton straight up over the course. It was clean as a whistle. Him. 
out drove him jumped on the line and had to go get him back and nurse a not actually a real problem during the race yeah like they they overcompensated for what they thought might have been a fuel a fuel (laughs) error but it was actually fine in the end but even then alonso still finished in second and beat hamilton clean as a whistle it was so you know this car is is excellent alonso has been the best driver in formula one not named max this year yeah it's the second best car and they're not second in the constructors yeah, and they're because, not second in the constructors because Lance Stroll is laying a fucking egg. Yeah, and George Russell's not been as good as he was last year. Yeah, you, we haven't even talked about George Russell. George Russell just ate shit during the race, hit the wall, and had to retire due to a brake problem later. The yep. most complete um, team in terms of a two-driver system right now is Ferrari, and well, well, they're they're trying their best. It's you can you can only drive what they put in front of you, but. It's preventing Aston from, you know, Fernando Alonso is only a handful of points behind Sergio Perez. Nine. He's nine points behind Sergio in a vastly superior car. And you know who Lance Stroll's eight points in front of? Esteban Ocon in an Alpine. Yeah! And an Alpine honestly should have had a better result this race. Ocon was running fifth before a safety car kind of undid some of the good of his strategy. Yeah. Uh, more, more than it helped Ferrari and Perez quite a bit. In other but words, Lance Stroll, the is the, Lance Stroll is the clear number eight in a top class of eight. He's and the he's, weak link. And he's opening the back door to for Mercedes and potentially Ferrari to punish them. Yeah, like, I mean, for the first... Uh, up until Monaco, Aston had a vastly superior car to Mercedes in pretty much every respect. And they didn't capitalize on it. And now that Mercedes has addressed a lot of their weaknesses to the point where they can fight Aston on even ground, they've got a way better driver lineup in terms of completeness. Recovery locked in for months? <sighs> uh, don't even bring up that clown ass on the show. Can I just say, like, man... People were ugly about Lance Stroll before he even won the European F3 title, and I wanted to see him succeed. And there's been flashes of it, but it's just not been good enough consistently. The flashes Damn. have gone away. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is that I I was a I was a Lance Stroll defender all the way through and into 2021. Dude in 2020 was getting better. He actually gave Perez a solid fight for most of the year. Right. And since then, it's just been a whole lot of not much. Come on, man. Get it together. And yeah. and the yeah. thing that, the, the thing that, of course, causes all this discourse is because no matter how bad it gets, no matter how many points he costs Aston Martin, no matter how many constructors championship positions he costs out in Aston Martin, he has the safest speed, seat in Formula One short of maybe Max Verstappen. Right. Um, we, we can't talk about Lance Stroll with any real sense of jeopardy because we've, we've not even had a hint that his dad's prepared to pull the plug. And we've had discussions on our server about this, asking whether, well, what would it take? What would it take for Aston Martin's board of directors to step in and say, Lawrence, you need to fire your son or we're going to give you a vote of no confidence? And that is where I fear we are entering because the equation changes when you bring in a factory engine partner in Honda who have their own influence over the team as a works entity. And as you said, Lance Stroll is not the only, he's not the sole runner of this team. There is a board of directors. There are other investors 
whose investment is on the line here. Yeah, it's their money. It's their money. And if they, if they, if they feel like the, 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 their investment is not going as planned, they have a right to kick up a stink. But I think I know a way that we can alleviate all this because I know that Aston Martin is not just a Formula One enterprise. They have presences in other racing championships. And I know that there is a category right now in international motorsport that could really use the presence of a supercharged Aston Martin Valkyrie on its grid. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck the horse you rode in on. We're moving on. <laughs> he is the, that car is the reason why these LMHs are as heavy and slow as they are. And I will not put up with your uh, nonsense any longer, O'Connell. <laughs> O'Connell is out here giggling like a fucking schoolgirl as we watch this on Riverside right now over making that reference. How, how, how dare you? How God. very dare you? And and now I, I have to entertain him some more by talking about Alex Albon because like that was one of the drives of the season so far for me from Alex Albon seventh place in the Williams in the end he be boxed during the safety car and was I think one of the very few people in the field who made the one stop work had to go fifty nine laps on the hard tire to do it and he's fighting for every inch of his life. The, this the, is what happens when you put all of your stats into straight line speed. You play the strategy, and then you're just like, hold, hold. all the way down the DRS zone he every had, lap. He had Esteban Ocon and Lando Norris gunning for his head in the final laps of this race, and, and, and Albon There's held on for the best dry finish a Williams has had since 2017. <laughs> Nature is healing? Question mark. Dude, yeah. Dude, that result single-handedly put Williams not only off the bottom of the constructors championship table, they are two points away from seventh. I told you, point, <laughs> I, I told you off the bar rain, points were gonna be at a premium this year. This Will is you, the, this is the biggest, this is the second biggest result behind uh, McLaren's heist of the century in Australia. Yeah, we we joked about it back then. Australia, like Australia, earlier this year, McLaren got twelve points, and that is like most of their seventeen they've got for the season. Yeah, because they threw away all the points they were gonna go get here. Yeah, they were uh... like Nor Norris was gonna get like what was it four points for eighth until the time penalty knocked him back to twelfth. Yeah, Brutal. And... Here, here are some of the drivers that Alexander Albon is ahead of in the championship. Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri, Valtteri Bottas. Kevin Magnussen. Yuki Tsunoda. Seven points puts you 12th in the driver's championship. That's how much points are going to be at a premium this year. He's only five points off of Norris. Dude. Which is what, like, like, like Albon, if you watched his Sky Sports F1 post-race interview, um, like Albon has been very vocal about this all year long. I remember he said it during Baku Sprint as well, where he said, it's not like the top eight spots are locked out, but they might as well be, is what he basically said. So he, he says, look, on a good day, we might be fighting for two points at most, most weekend. So they bring home six is huge in this context. Like, look, I'll, I'll sum it up in a sentence. Alfa Romeo are seventh in the Constructors' Championships right now. They are in single digits. 
through nine races or eight races. We, we were they were they were at nine points As for the follows. year so far. As follows the constructors championship right now: Red Bull Honda with three hundred and twenty-one. Ugh, God. Um, Mercedes with 167, Aston with 154, Ferrari with 122. Then there's a bit of a gap. Alpine have 44 points through eight rounds. Um, McLaren and with 17. McLaren are the, the clear sixth best team and they have 17 points. The drop off after the top four is just catastrophic. Look, I, I joked with Hazel on Twitter after I want to say I, I want to say it was Monaco that forty points might get you a top six finish this year. Like, yeah, and and the way McLaren's pacing it right now, that's probably roughly where they're going to end up. That's how important Alex Albon's seventh place was. It might have just won Williams millions of pounds in the I mean, long we're eight, run. We're eight races in and 10th in the championship. Pierre Gasly has 15 points. That, and, Damn. And, yeah, and Gasly, who's had probably had a lot more highlights than actual points finishes this year that he didn't, he wasn't able to convert. Yeah. Cam, Cam, do you remember when Pierre Gasly won Monza 2020? I in do. the middle of the pandemic. Mm, I, I, do. I began talking about it, about how when Christian Horner demoted him to what was then Torrasso, that he was wrong about him. But then you were quick to point out the fact Gasly was not the right driver at the right time when he was at Red Bull. Well, he became a different driver after that fact. Yeah. And that's, Gasly, maybe that's true. Gasly really had to knuckle down, look at himself, and redevelop as a driver, and he did. And it's landed him another factory drive now, even if it's the factory with practically no success in the modern era of F1. So I, so I say this, say this, that, like, if that's true, and if we haven't done so already, then we have got to start extending the same courtesy to Alexander Albon, because for a year and a half, we can look back and say that he was not the right driver at the right time for Red Bull, and he was rushed up into that opportunity. But right now, as it stands, after a year away, he is absolutely the right driver for Williams at the right time. Mm. He reminds me of George Russell if George Russell got all the results that were that would probably owed to him. Say, he's actually his- been bringing home more of the points bundles because for a year and a half... George Russell took every points opportunity that the Williams could, could scrounge up from the bottom of the barrel, and he would just throw them off the cliff. Remember when he Al- was 10-foot Monza and he put it in the wall that one time? Yeah. Man. You have any idea how shockingly little that narrows it down? Alex Albon, on Saturdays and Sundays, with the exception of Australia, of course, because we know he was overdriving at that time, has gotten the most out of what this team can offer him in terms of equipment and Williams are willing to be bold on strategies to help him get a leg up on the competition. We saw it in Australia last year. He ran almost all the race on one set of tires, and it worked. And we saw it in Canada this week. And that whole combination has brought it all together where Williams could shithouse a top eight finish in the Constructors' Championship because next on the calendar is another top speed track in Austria. Well, there's not just that. I mean, there's Austria where, God, I fear yeah. for the I fear for this field at Austria. Um, provided Rebel doesn't fuck up the setup like they did last year. Mm-hmm. But you have that. You have Monza where they always go well, where they 
got their they practically got their whole championship result last year out of Monza. Mm. If they can capitalize and McLaren keeps dicking around and Alpha Tauri keeps wasting Yuki Tsunoda's time, I see no reason why they can't keep clawing in those occasional, you know, really solid results. I mean, they brought a big upgrade to this race. It clearly did help because Canada is not just straight line speed. You need to have the grip and the traction to get the power down to use some of that straight line speed. I think they did take a genuine step, not just clinging on to the back of the field, but actively being part of it now. Yeah, they're... And this now is... the question is, you go out and you need to capitalize on that. I think they're better poised to capitalize on what the car is good at. Yeah, James Vowles has done a very, very good job in a very short amount of time of maximizing the we have money. The, I mean, the, we, look the, at the what the he's mo- talked about, Dre. Yeah. The dude, some of their composite facilities, some of their facilities are back. They haven't been upgraded since BMW was there investing in the team. 20 years ago. <laughs> They said a, a, they said a, a significant, and I've, I've had this backed up by people that I know work for Williams. Some of their shit is twenty years old, and that in the in the pinnacle of open wheel motorsport, where you have companies like you, you have the top three always pushing the issue. We, Aston Martin just opened a whole ass factory. Yeah, renovated their entire base, expanded the shit out of it. That's what they're competing against, week in, week out. And Williams had the most simple floor in the world and it was craned up, and they have facilities that are 20 years old in some cases. It's rough out they're here. They're fighting the good fight. Yeah, they are doing everything they can. And James Vowles, I think, has done an exceptional job in a short amount of time. Like I distinctively remember in preseason testing, Alex Albon said, going into the year, we just want to be a better last. They have a genuine you're a whole, shot. At, you're a whole lot better than last right now because you ain't last. They have, they have a genuine shot at a top six finish. I hope they can get something out of it because there are a lot of very hardworking people in that Come team. Come on, Logan. Come on, Logan. Do it for America. Do it for the fucked up state of Florida. Do it and, for Duracell batteries. And mm. for, I mean, for with everything with Logan Sargent, look, he's just been... Fine to unremarkable, which I am perfectly cool with. Yes, get this together, buddy. Give me some points on the board. <laughs> Anything. Anything. <gasps> uh, a crumb. Formula One is back in Austria in a week and a half's time. Uh, sprint round. Sprint oh, is, is a sprint weekend. You know, it's the last time a Ferrari won a race, if that means anything to you. Um, you know, last year with Charles Leclerc's win. It's something, you know, we're waiting feels, to see what happens It there. feels so long ago since we got that photo of Charles, Carlos Sainz looking back at his burning car. After yep. it exploded. After it, after it literally disintegrated from behind, as you do. Um, not a fun time. But hey, maybe we get a fun race out of it. So yeah, the Austrian Grand Prix in two weeks' time. We'll talk about that a little bit later on on Motorsport 101. We'll be back next time out with... Moto GP in Germany, and boy, have we got some shit to unpack there. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell. And until next time, sayonara. Because it's Canada.
Later and au revoir, y'all. It's like the stronger they get on four wheels, the weaker they get on two. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.